One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Viber, and as always, I'm joined by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. And on tonight's episode, we're going to do a sort of a follow-up to the last episode, which was free agent targets for contending teams. We're going to look at the other side of the coin and talk about some um, somewhat freely available, commonly available targets for rebuilding teams. Now, to start with, what we wanted to talk about was even if you're not contending this year and you're looking ahead to next year, that doesn't mean you have to be 100% focused on young players or prospects. Um, many contending teams are in a little bit of a crunch, so they may be dropping a dead weight, you know, overpriced stud who's not performing or who is injured. Um, and a rebuilding strategy Sometimes it's a really good idea to keep an eye on your waiver wire, see who gets dropped, and re-auction them to try to get them at a discount. Um, we'll mention a few names here in a minute, but in general, I wouldn't claim a lot of these guys that are getting cut because they're probably overpriced to begin with, but re-auction them, aggressively bid somewhat, and then the worst case scenario is you cut them in the offseason if there's no rebound or if you feel like you have to, but you're not really losing it. This is all presuming that you have the cap space to do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go after someone and, and spend money and then have to cut somebody else who may end up being a keeper. But if you have plenty of cap space, um, you know, Chris Bryant's cut and you can rewin him for $28. That might be a, a good, a good thing to do. So, you know, I've seen, I've seen Jose Altuve get cut a couple places now that he's, he's hurt and he was struggling before. And of course, everybody's already sort of down on him because, you know, no trash can is any <laughs> good anymore without a trash can. And it looks like maybe no. Um, but he seemed like he's a perfect example of a guy. Like I see him getting cut. Um, we've got, you know, five weeks of, of stats on him. Like players go through five week slumps. It happens. And so um, if you can get him back, you know, in a lot of leagues, he was probably forty plus dollars. I wouldn't claim him at forty, but if I could get get him for twenty five and sit on him and see, maybe he comes back and kills the ball for a couple weeks at the end of the season, or has a great playoffs, or um, I don't know. Turns out there was something more serious wrong, and they're able to fix it, and his outlook is really good for the spring. Uh, and I think that the big key to a guy like Altuve or Bryant, for that matter, is it doesn't actually matter if you believe in them. Uh, when you're picking them up. What matters is, do you think there's a possibility that someone else in your league might believe in them yeah. in a couple months? Right. Um, because they can either, like a $25 Altuve might pick up some uh, arbitration dollars when we get to arbitration season um, and might be a trade asset, right? Even if you even if you have no interest in keeping them, it, they're they're more. It's more interesting to sit on someone like that than it is to sit on like some middling five dollar outfielder who is never going to be worth more than that. Yeah, we had a pretty interesting move in in League One uh, just a couple weeks ago, right around the deadline, where uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton got cut uh, because just not a keepable asset in this fifty dollar range. Uh, he was picked up uh, in the mid twenties. And immediately traded for Christian Yellick. Again, Yellick not keepable going next year, but the team in first place was able to uh, use their cap space in a really effective way. Now, a team that's rebuilding has a Stanton that they can work around next year that's in the mid 20s. Great price. And uh, the team that uh, was in first in that moment was able to, you know add a bat for their push run. So there's there's moves like that that you can like think about when you're being creative here. Um, obviously, you're not going to make a move to help someone for this year, but uh, the, the points that Chad made about the offseason uh, absolutely apply. Some of the other big names that I've seen cut, um, 
that are either underperforming or injured would be like JD Martinez, uh, Stanton, who Niv already mentioned, Bryant, who I mentioned before. Um, and then on the pitching side, like Verlander, uh, Aroldis Chapman. And then another sort of, we could do a whole episode probably on, on Shohei Otani um, and what to do about him. But yep. in a lot of places, he's he's been cut as well. I mean, I think I've cut him in a couple leagues. So, um, Are you the one who cut him in Brinks? Probably, because I don't... Yeah, because he's now at he's now at twenty three dollars. Yeah, you guys picked, we him, picked up. him up. Yeah, um, uh, and that was that's exactly what this was. Is like we don't really need him. We're actually overloaded at the corners in that league. We've got uh, Freeman, Eugenio Suarez, uh, Rafael Devers. He's just not going to make the line. He's not going to make the lineup this this year for us at all. Right. Um, and actually, at twenty three dollars, whatever, he's probably not worth it as a util at twenty three dollars right now. But we'll sit on him. But we'll we have the option the now, is. right? Yeah, and and he is he is a guy who like let's say in a you know during the the early part of the off season the Angels announced that he's good he's getting back into a throwing program they're expecting him ready for spring training maybe he picks up a couple dollars in arbitration maybe we trade him maybe we decide we're gonna keep him by the time you know the, yeah. the January rolls around so um, giving yourself the option is is always a handy thing right so. Um, I actually cut a Strasburg today, but I don't think he goes in the bucket of people that you may want to snag uh, because that injury is extremely scary. That surgery, uh, carpal tunnel, is a pretty scary one. But that's another like big name that you might see on your as a free agent in your league. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the one thing you do have to be careful of is that you don't you don't fall into the trap of picking up one of these guys and then saying, I'm definitely going to keep him for next year. You know, you don't want to pick somebody up that you got a discount on, but you're still really paying too much in salary for that player. And then you keep them and compound, you know, a, a mistake. But in general, I think as long as you're comfortable with the idea that you're going to speculate on some of these players and you're probably going to cut them, but you have, like you guys have said, you have an option to keep them. Um, and you control their destiny, right? You control, is this player going to be thrown back out into auction or not? Or am I going to trade him in the offseason? Um, you give yourself a lot of options here. And a lot of these players, I mean, it's a little over a month of this season. And it, for the underperforming players, the ones that aren't hurt, they could go back to being exactly who we thought they were. Right. And and it looks like a great move. So. Um, some other names that I wanted to mention, one of the things that we're going to be talking about, I, I prep, I've done this before when I was writing at Rotographs, I'll run the steamer 600 projections, which are their projections scaled to 600 plate appearances for all hitters and 200 inning pitched for starters, um, run those calculate fan points, totals, and then points per game and points per inning, and just sort of look at how steamer sees all all the players, if they were playing a full season, if they were all healthy, if if the prospects were in the major leagues, to see how they all compare. So I'll be quoting some of those rankings uh, during this episode. But a couple injured pitchers that I wanted to mention real quick that Steamer still likes. Um, James Paxson is rostered in just a hair under 75% of leagues. Steamer has him ranked as the 25th best starting pitcher. Chris Archer, I know, I know, Chris Archer He's rostered in 43% of leagues. Steamer's still showing him as a uh, 47th overall starting pitcher, a top 50 starting pitcher. I, I'd be willing to gamble more on Paxton than I would Archer for sure, but Archer probably comes cheap if you can, you know, if he's been cut a couple times already. But I think the difference between them is like Paxton, when healthy, Paxton is still good. And I like the question with him is can he stay healthy and pitch well enough? And you can yeah. you can make that call for yourself. I can't see a price at which I would keep Archer at this point. He's he's either hurt or bad. And he hasn't he hasn't been good and healthy for so long. Like I'm I'm shocked that Steamer's still that high on him. Shocked. Yeah, and I don't and I think their their updated Steamer six hundred, I, I don't know that it's really incorporating any of that injury data for this most recent um, injury. So in the off season, when they do their full update, it's probably going to change for the worse for him. Um, and yeah, I'm not, uh, to be very clear, I'm not endorsing picking him up right now in any league, 
but it's at least interesting that that he's always been a guy that's projected pretty well and he's been hurt and he's had bad outcomes more than he's had bad peripherals and projections so it's it's you know a very much of a flyer situation with him i think they're better uh players to go after but it's still an interesting name to note that is available in many leagues right now um in a different situation not an injury but an opt-out was david price um i you know i forgot to write down what is oh you've got it there He's just a hair under 70% rostered yes. right now. So and, he's a vi- and Marcus Stroman is in that same camp. He's also at 70%. And another guy who I actually like, they lump really well together. They're guys who've been around a little bit. Neither of them is super exciting. You're not expecting a Cy Young season out of them anytime soon, but they're both really useful pitchers. And they're sort of forgotten right now because nobody's thinking about them. Um, if you auction them, they're going to be relatively inexpensive, I would think. You're not competing with any contenders for them because contenders don't need them. And they're opt-outs, so they're free roster spots. So right. you can just stash them at no cost other than the salary. And and that's a key component, by the way. Uh, this year, obviously, the opt-outs is a new thing. Um, but in past years, the 60-day IL or what is now the 45-day IL, because it doesn't take up a roster spot, a lot of my contending teams, if I have a lot of cap space available, I'll just speculate on a lot of these guys that are injured that aren't going to cost me a roster spot. You, you could roster five or six of them. You know, there's really not a limit, but other than the fact that you run out of names that are actually worth caring about. But um, price by steamer is uh, starting pitcher 37. So pretty interesting. Um, and even Stroman is starting pitcher 57 per steamer 600. So, I mean, these are guys that are, could be very functional um, core pieces of a rotation sort of as a third or fourth starter on your team. Um, another name I want to bring up, and I, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of pushback on this, is Yasiel Puig. Obviously, he hasn't played this year. Um, I have no idea what's going on I'd with be, his status currently. But I, I'll, I'll go ahead and take the bait of pushing back a little. I, I'd just be worried a little bit about the fact that he hasn't gotten a job yet still. Yeah, um, that is weird. It is weird. It's, it's just... Uh, I mean, there's a rumor every week about where he's going. I saw pirates today. Like, there's there's always something floating around for him. And you know, he he didn't have a great year last year, but he he has track record. And the fact that he hasn't gotten a job yet, I don't think there are that many outfielders or and that many outfields. You know, so that's surprising to me. Yeah, and and again, one other reason I'm going to bring him up is Steamer has him as the 35th best outfielder. So he's a Low yeah, end outfield three for Audenew for Fangraphs points. So he's again, he's another one of those players that I feel like the projections like more than some of the performance has justified. But um, I mean, the status is We're strange. But again, if you, you you might you don't know where he's going to end up. Nobody knows where he's going to end up, and maybe you hit the lottery on where he ends up. Right. 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 Yeah. Yep. Any other names you want to we want to mention here in this sort of veteran? Cut I think the, the other the other thing I looked at quickly was just guys who are trending down. So most of what we talk about uh, the rest of this episode are guys who are under seventy five percent rostered. Um, but there's three guys who are above that cutoff but have been heading down that I think are interesting. Um, Willie Calhoun is at seventy eight point eight percent, but it's down sixteen point nine percent in the last month. Mitch Garver's at eighty four percent, but down thirteen point four percent. And Tommy Pham is down eighty six point or is at eighty six point six percent, but down twelve point one percent in the last month. If those guys are getting dropped in your league, um, they're all guys who I just don't think we've seen nearly enough from them that we should be thinking of them any differently than we were in the off season is basically what it comes down to. And I, I think at some level, I think fam was overvalued coming into the year, but I still think he's a solid 10 to maybe $15 outfielder. And if he's available in your league, as he is in a couple of mine or was in a couple of mine, um, that's worth grabbing. I was down on Mitch Garver before the season, but I know there are a lot of people who weren't. I, I had a handful of people telling me that, you know, grabbing him at like 10 bucks was just a no brainer. He'd be a, a star catcher at that price. Hasn't worked out clearly, but he's been hurt. Maybe that's what did it. Maybe it was just a couple bad weeks and then he got hurt. And regardless, if you thought he was a $15 outfielder or outfielder, out $15 catcher in, you know, January when we were making decisions, February when auctions were happening, or even in July when auctions were happening again, um, there's no reason to really have sort of jumped off the bandwagon over 
what amounts to you know half a month worth of stats. So those and three again, guys, like, those are guys, uh, all all three of them to a T. Like top six teams aren't going to be able to bid on them because they just can't afford to find out if Tommy fan or you know you can't afford to waste the roster spot or hope that they get the bounce back. Right, um, you're going to be spending a little bit more money uh, than than totally free or than a dollar, but you're not going to be competing against the entire market. So that's like really handy in terms of keeping your prices down and, and again, giving yourself someone you can speculate on going into the off season. Um, sorry, Justin, I think you, I keep doing that. I keep muting myself. So you guys don't hear my background noise and then forgetting that I'm muted and then start talking. And you can't no me, so. worries. <laughs> um, we're going to, we're going to move on to the next section where, we're going to talk about the criteria that I artificially decided on was that we were going to talk about players that were under 75% rostered. Um, These are, this batch of players are mostly going to be younger players, major league baseball, you know, already in the majors and playing Um, the names. We're probably going to take these in a general order of the, starting with the names that are most exciting or most interesting for us. Um, I'll kick things off. I will be very upfront and say that the rostered, percentage that I'm about to the list here was from yesterday or the day before. So I'm sure this has gone up. Um, but Alex Dickerson, um, was 30.6% rostered. I'd have to look right now, but I'm sure it's higher than that. Now. Um, he's been in a lot of open auctions. Um, steamer has him at outfield 36 for steamer 600, which is a really strong projection. Um, he's been playing really well. He played well last year in a, in a small sample as well. Um, I'm trying to add him even on contending teams, um, but definitely rebuilding as well. Basically any team that I would have, I'd be interested in giving a look to uh, Alex Dickerson right now. Um, he's not super young. He is 30, but <clears throat> go ahead. He He's hurt now, right? Um, um, he, he, like had a, I don't know a, if it's, I don't know. I don't know how long he's out. I think it was because it was new. It was just a couple days ago that he like, Hit a foul ball off his knee. Maybe he's it, back yeah. in the lineup today. I don't know. No, he's well, not he played- in the lineup. He's literally not in the lineup today because I'm looking at him. But <laughs> uh, he, uh, I don't think he has an injury that is DL or IL worthy or anything to be. Yeah, he started. He started yesterday, so I think. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. So I think it was just a minor, a minor issue. So. Yeah. So this is the, Alex Dickerson's great name because. Uh, he came up in our last episode when we were talking about players that you'd look at as a final push for a contender. If you're a contender, um, I think everyone, made, Justin and Chad, both made great points about uh, knowing that you need depth at outfield and you get games played there. So this might be a guy that you may have to pay a little bit more for if you're rebuilding because you will be competing against the entire league because uh, he's ha- he's on a heater this year, right? I mean, you can see his yep. his slash line is is strong. Um, but again, his his average uh, salary is under three on his last ten ads. It's two thirty nine. So I'm surprised by that. That's that's a stashable player, and you know he's at thirty one percent right now. I uh, rostered. I can look real quick to see how many auctions he has going right now. I think it's a large number. I know Man, I just acquired you know him in one. Loop, I don't but. understand where the uh, guys. Let's start the Alex Dickerson hype train. There's only ten auctions going right now. And, I mean, it's back to back episodes where we've mentioned him. And I don't it's thirty one percent rostered. I feel like there. I mean, if he's not on a roster in your league, there is no position in the standings you should be at where you wouldn't start that auction. Right. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yes, yeah, and just put four dollars and have a six dollar option for him next year. That so I the, think that's. The challenge, the challenge, the only challenge I'm going to throw out there is I know in a lot of leagues where I'm competing and I need games and I need guys I can plug in. And the Giants outfield, like, I'm just looking at their lineups right now over the last few days. It's all like, over the place. Yeah. I mean, Yastrzemski's basically playing every day, but then uh, Mauricio Dubon seems to have a lock on center field. So you've got Yastrzemski and Dubon holding down two spots. And then you've got like guys like Darren Ruff has played two of the last five games. Austin Slater needs to get time in there. Alex Dickerson needs to get time in there. Um, I just, I, I don't know. 
to the to be clear, I would be very happy to have Alex Dickerson on my roster right now, no matter where I am in the standings. However, if you are in need of outfield games, you've got a bunch of injured guys, you don't have a lot of space in your roster, you're only carrying two extra outfielders, there is some concern, at least I have some concern, about how much he's going to play. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're looking at, uh, if we're focusing on rebuilding, then then what you just did is make a great pitch to tell the top three teams in your league not to bid. And now you just got him for $3 instead of 4 That's right. So- <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a strong side platoon right now for the Giants. I mean, he's sitting against left-handers, so... Um, at least, you know, I think that's in general what's happening. They're playing rough and Austin Slater um, and slotting them in against those left-handers and benching Dickerson. But I- it just doesn't cost you very much, and yep. the availability is there. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of a no-brainer. This guy, I mean, Dickerson is just. I mean, if you're talking third outfield, and you know, we just had a little back and forth on Puig, and um, you want to make a friendly bet on uh, opening day next year, which guy costs more? Like it's going to be Puig, right? So, I mean, assuming Puig gets signed somewhere, so if you so if you can snag Dickerson and they're being looked at the same way, it's a four dollar Yasiel Puig. Maybe that's actually what Yasiel Puig would go for. Now that I'm saying it aloud. Yeah, it does, well, yeah. But I mean, that's depending great. on where he's signed. Uh, third outfielder that costs you three bucks and and plays to third outfield spot is three or four dollars. It's great. Uh, Chad, why don't you, uh, you, you've got a bunch of names here too. So why don't you lead off with a couple of yours here? Yeah. I mean, I think just throw another outfielder out there that I think I feel sort of similarly to the way I feel about Dickerson is, uh, Randy, a Rosarena, a Rosarena, um, with the Rays, he's 35% rostered. He, we have a very short track record with him. Um, he has very limited major league experience, but it's really good. And his minor league track record is really good as well. I mean, if you go back and, and look at what this guy's done, um, his his major league line over a total of 47 plate appearances is a 447 on base and a 750 slugging with only a 333 BAPIP because he is walking 10% of the time. He's only striking out 17% and he's got a super high home run per fly ball rate. But that 10% walk rate and 17% strikeout rate is an awfully good base for a guy to start start off of. And based on his minor league numbers, that isn't crazy. Um, and this is a guy who in 2019 across double um, A AA and triple A with the, the Cardinals had over a 400 WOBA um, at both levels. And yeah, there's some high BAPIPs in there, but he walks a lot. He doesn't strike out a ton. He, he carries pretty solid home run potential. Um, he isn't sort of an, an elite prospect, I guess, and he was old for those levels when he hit them. But man, it seems like he should be rostered in more places. Um, and I, honestly, I've just started to take sort of a close look at him recently, and and so I'm I'm part of the problem with him being being under rostered. Um, but I intend to fix that. <laughs> It, it, it's funny you bring him up because you're criticizing the, the sort of the playing time situation in the Giants outfield, but the Rays, I mean, the, 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 it's crazy depth there. Um, when you think about everybody they have in their outfield and and corner infield, and I mean, really every single spot on that roster. Yeah, that team. Uh, pretty- there's so many names. We talked about Mike Brousseau in the last episode. I mean, you still have Manny Margot, Brett Phillips, and Hunter Renfro, and those are their three projected bench bats right now on in the outfield on roster resource. That's how deep the the roster is. So, yeah, I mean, looking at their lineups the last few days, um, he yesterday uh, uh, Rosarena played left field and hit third. Two days ago, he was on the bench. Uh, the day before that, he was in left field and hit second. Um, the day before that, he was on the bench. Well, so, so let me let me ask you this: Do you think days? And it's I mean, I know the, a lot of these guys are under team control or arbitration or whatever, and it's like, I mean, the Rays are doing a very specific small market Rays thing. But do you think uh, what like there's still a huge logjam? And do you think some of these guys end up in different places next year? Like, I mean, that's the that's kind of the speculation you have to think about if you're in a rebuilding situation. Like, when we start thinking about these names, like. Maybe they don't get the at-bats right now, but you don't care about that right now. So do you care about it? Like next year, if he's the sixth outfielder on the Rays, you're in the same position you are now, right? Yeah. 
I actually think with him, what, what I'm looking for as a rebuilder with him is they've got, what, 20 games left. Yeah. If he plays, let's say, 12 of those 20 games, gets another, call it 50 plate appearances, gets himself up to close to 100 career plate appearances, I want him to be around there so that I can start to talk about him. You can make a pitch. You can yeah. make a pitch then. Yeah. It's a guy that, like, no, yeah, it's a small sample, but like those walk and strikeout rates start to become real around, you know, 60, I think stabilization point for, for K rate is 60 plate appearances for walk rate. It's 120. So like something like that, yeah. if he can get up near the, you know, he, he's going to get to that 60. If he can get up over that, that hundred mark, he starts to get close to that walk one. And you start to be able to build a case in, in two ways. First of all, to potentially pitch him to someone else as a piece in a trade, but also as you're making decisions about who you want to keep and who you don't, I would love to be able to look at him and be like, look, he may be the fourth or fifth outfielder. He may only play 75 to 100 games next year, but um, I can count on those games being really good. And if I've got right. him for a buck or two now and, and I'm keeping him as a, you know, a bench outfielder, I might be totally fine with that. Um, so what I'm really looking for is him to play enough to give me some confidence in that. But I, I really like what I've seen so far. That makes sense. Yeah, and my only concern with him would be, number one, the roster squeeze that the Rays are going to have. It, it may not necessarily be players traded. It may be he might get stuck in the minors next year when the rosters aren't as Yeah, aren't when as they large. can actually have games in the minors. Um, yeah. And, and he is a right-handed hitter that's... <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say he's a right-hander, so he's you know he's also a short side platoon guy if they're if he's not sta- starting every day. So yeah, that's a good call for a guy who's a, who's only rostered in thirty five percent of leagues. He is rostered in every league that I play in. <laughs> so when I said before that I was part of the problem. I'm not part of the problem. No, I can't you play do with sharks. About it. That's why <laughs> I, Chad I you play with sharks and sharks lead. Shark lead I, pl- so. I play with sharks and with the guys in Brinks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> You had a free dig at League One there, and you didn't take it. And I <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I like League One. <laughs> yeah, it's not that sharky. That's the problem. No, it is not <clears throat> sharky. That's true. Um, we got some other names here. Um, it's, a lot of these are crossover, so I, I think we should call out the ones that made it from last week. Uh, Ty France and Bobby Dahlbeck come to mind right away. Yep. Uh, as Chad's uh, called them out last episode, so I don't know if we need to go too deep into them, but they're I think it's a good point that they're rosterable in any situation you're in. And, um, you know, that's not always the case, but, but in this case, like, like Ty France with the, like the playing time stuff is already borne out, right? Like it's already showing. So yeah. that, that was a good hit there. Yeah. And I, I really like France from that perspective where it's like, you're going to get a chance to see what he is, I think over the next month. Right. So it ties back to that last player where you're like, I get to, I, I really get to understand what I'm speculating on going into January. Yeah. Dahlbeck, by the way, I just need to call out, has a 50% fly ball rate, which is really high, and a 62.5% home run per fly ball rate, which is really, really high. <laughs> that um, is... I'll take the so like, That is why he has uh, five home runs and eight total hits. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen with him. He's also... He, he is striking out 45% of the time. So this guy, like... This is not what his profile is. Like, if you look back at his minor league track record, he's got good plate discipline. Um, he doesn't strike out. A, he's not like a, a total avoid strikeouts guy. But he doesn't strike out a ton. He's had some decent walk numbers. He hits for power, but not like, you know, world beating. He's not Joey Gallo or anything like that. Sounds like two true outcomes, man. Yeah. This guy is. <laughs> well, he's. But he's walking 8.6% of the time, which oh, is so terrible either. So he could have Adam done him. Yeah. Okay. He, the guy's like, he's he, more than half the time. He doesn't put the ball in play, right? So like 54% of the time, he either walks or strike, strikes out. Of the remaining time, half the time the ball's in the air, and half of those are home, more than half of those are home runs. Like his results are crazy. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But I'm still intrigued by him. <laughs> I want to see what he keeps doing because something is not going to – this isn't going to stay the way it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Dahlbeck in France, I think uh, we talked about briefly about I think Willie Castro last week as well. Um, it's just like a guy, if you need middle infield, good minor league track record, um, seems to be emerging as an everyday player for the Tigers now, too. Um, so another guy who I think you're going to get a really good sense of who he is. Um, the thing to keep in mind with him, 
and, and this is probably true of everyone is you have to look at what their what their division looks like. Um, Castro is going to get an awful lot of plate appearances against the Indians and Twins, who have the two best pitching staffs in baseball. Uh, and so when you look at those, you look at his numbers down the stretch, and this is going to be true of any of the Tigers, any of the White Sox, any of the Royals, um, you're, you're not necessarily going to see numbers that are indicative of how they would do against a typical major league pitcher because they're just, they're just facing tough, tough stabs. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call there. What, and we we talked about that before the season started about some of the outsized effects the schedule's going to have on some of these uh, small sample performances. So, um, a couple names I want to mention next. I literally just looked him up and realized that he's going on the IL with a knee injury, um, which sort of stinks. But Rowdy Telez for the Blue Jays has been hitting really well. Um, he's a first base only, so there's not as much positional value as a lot of the other names we're going to be talking about. Um, he was 18.6% rostered. I think that's gone up very, very a little bit recently. Um, steamer has him as first base 14, which is right in that range of like a util bat, uh, in a, in a Fangraphs point lineup. I like him. I think he's worth, uh, you know, a couple dollars speculative ad for, uh, a rebuilding team and even a contender if he weren't going on the IL. Um, another name, another Ray. Um, is Yoshitomo Sutsugo. Um, he is third base and outfield eligible. He's been playing third base mostly for the Rays recently. Um, Steamer 600 has him as the 25th best outfielder and the 11th best third baseman. So he's... What am I missing on him? I mean, is it, is it just that Steamer's looking and saying, yeah, the BAPIP's going to correct? I guess that is what it is. It's like his line so far is pretty blah um but it is dragged down by a 203 BAPIP I think that's a big part of it um I think that well because if you look at their preseason projections they had projected him for a 13% walk rate just under 26% K rate he's been at 16 and 23 so he's been better in both regards they had projected him in the preseason as a 222 ISO. He's been at 216, which is basically right where they projected. And so it's just the BABIP. If anything, he's been a little bit better than they projected in the preseason. Um, so his weighted on base projection on Steamer has gone from 349 in the preseason to 347 now. So just a tick down, basically, um, with a slight degradation in the BABIP projection. But I think the he, he's got good plate discipline. Plate discipline. The power's pretty good. Um, he's got that third base outfielder uh, versatility, and I think the strong steamer projection was mostly backed up by his foreign league per- performance. Um, and and I think that's what drove that strong projection on their end because I know that they uh, they incorporate those those translations. So I I think he's underperformed because the BABIP's been bad. Whether that comes back up, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at what his like line drive profile is um, to look, see if it it's justified or is. What is? I'm curious what stats Stackhouse says on it. Yeah, Stackhouse is pretty good. So I was just looking at that uh, average exit velocity of over ninety ninety point one. Um, his hard hit rate is forty two point seven. His barrel percent is eight. Um, those are you know. They're not like great, great numbers, but they're good. They're certainly better than a 203 BAPIP would would imply. Yeah. Um, he does seem to have, and, and so he's hitting 43, almost 43% fly balls, which is a lot of fly balls for a guy whose power is not necessarily his, his calling card. Um, and only 17% line drives, which is a little bit low, but line drive rate takes forever to stabilize. I think... A few of those fly balls turn into line drives. A few ground balls turn into line drives, and some of those numbers start to come back up. Um, but I, yeah, I guess as I look at this now, I think you're right. I think it is. It's it's just that BAPIP, and it's it's uh, it it shouldn't be what it is. <laughs> There's no reason right. for it to be what it is, right. as far as I can tell. It's, it's not like you know. I think where you get concerned with BAPIP is when you see a guy who has a 200 BAPIP and an 83 average exit velocity and a 5% hard hit rate or something like that. And, and you start to look at that and think like, wow, why does Billy Hamilton have such a low BAPIP when he's so fast? And it's like, oh, because he hits yeah. the ball like a 
like a teenager and yeah. like <laughs> it's not going very hard right yeah so um that's not Tutsugo. he's he is hitting the ball pretty hard so um he's another guy though i just went to look him up cuz i was like all right justin convinced me he he's rostered in all of my leagues you're not really helping it, me here it, well he and he is he is rostered in, in 77 70% of leagues I, i'm i don't know if i mentioned that already but i've seen him cut in a couple of my leagues which is so he almost fits in that first category we were talking about for underperformers um i have seen him cut in a couple of my leagues and i i know i did one waiver claim um, to pick him right back up because I, I'm a believer. I was before the season started. I'm, I'm all in with this, the steamer projection. Um, and I think he's a good candidate to be, um, you know, what the projections say is next year. He has played four of the last five Rays games with, even with all that, all that stuff going on with the Rays. He was in third base yesterday, third base the day before he had a day off on Sunday, but Friday and Saturday, um, he was the DH both days. Yeah, I mean, the investment to get him over here, right, it indicates that he probably will, if he can hit, uh, have a, a, a place in the lineup next year. Yeah, I think the, the question for him, at least, th- you know, as I look at this year and potentially next year, is um, I don't know how much longer Choi is around, but mm-hmm. Yandy Diaz, once he gets healthy, isn't really going anywhere. Um, there are still folks out there one of whom may or may not be the host of this podcast who are really big Nate Lowe believers. Um, (laughs) And so like he's still around. They do have that deep outfield. And one of the ways you fix a deep outfield is by using the DH, which is another spot that Tutsugo makes sense. So he's, he may get caught in that roster crunch a little bit, but he's been playing lately. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, they, they put effort into bringing him over, right? Like he, I mean, it's, it's a different, he didn't come up through this. He's not one of these guys that's like, like they they spent real money to bring him over, so I think that right they're not going to play like roster shenanigans with him because of service time or anything like that. So. Right? Do you want to talk about your boy Nate right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a bold prediction that that is was a massive fail on my end um, uh, for Nate Lowe. He, I still believe in in the bat. Um, speaking of third base, he, he's actually, you were going through Susugo's recent, uh, games that, that most recent game that he didn't play third base, Nate Lowe was over there. So, um, it'd be kind of fun if he got eligibility at third base. I don't know that he has the time to do that, but, um, I, I still believe in the bat. He's only rostered in under 60% of leagues. So he's, he's, he's available in 40% of leagues. Again, it's kind of like Telez, it's a first base only bat right now, which isn't super valuable. Um, but I think that he can hit and he is still somebody that I'm interested in in having on my roster and taking a chance on. Um if he got third base eligibility, that would be gravy. Um another name that I want to mention, I'm gonna I'm gonna rapid fire some names here. If there's any that you guys want to sort of drill down on, um we can definitely do that. But I we don't want this episode to get too long. Um, I still like Isaac Paredes, uh, of the Tigers. He's not been hitting very well, but steamer has him as shortstop 26, which isn't great. Um, not even a middle infield option in a lineup for auto new purposes, but I still believe in, um, him for the future. So he, he's almost like a quasi prospect in that respect. He's only rostered in 55% of leagues. Uh, Josh Naylor, who just got traded, uh, Steamer has him as outfield 50, which is a starting outfielder in Autonew. Uh, he's only rostered in about a third of leagues. Um, an interesting name to look at. We talked about Heimer Condelario, I believe, in the last episode. He's still rostered in a third of leagues as well, only a third of leagues. Um, Steamer has him as third base 17. Um, a Niv favorite here, Michael Franco. Steamer has his third base 12. So he's a starting third baseman, according to starting caliber third baseman, according to Steamer. Um, and he's only rostered in 36 and a half percent. I would say my, my, my bull prediction or breakout for him did not quite pan out, but it is still worthwhile. No, but it's right. And, and I think he's shown a little bit, um, of improvement he's he hit he's hitting for a little bit more power than he did last year the babips up a little bit the so. first week it looked really good yeah <laughs> <laughs> that common refrain like that yeah <laughs> how often does that happen um another name real quick this guy's owned all in nearly 
uh, too many leagues to, to, to reach the cutoff, but Wilmer Flores, um, he's owned in a roster in 74.6% of leagues. Uh, Steamer has him as second baseman 10. And then another Niv favorite, and also mine as well, I will admit, uh, Willian's Astadio. The projections are still strong. Eighth best catcher, according finally, to Steamer. He's finally getting a little run, and um, you know he's hitting, so... And- yeah, and he's rostered in twenty four percent of leagues, so he's extremely available. Pretty, yeah. Quite these available. are all places pieces that you can use as a rebuild. Like you can get a little surplus right now and set yourself up well for the auction. Set your set your lineup up. Set your lineup well for success in twenty twenty one. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't like think the flexibility even... for some of those guys right. is really delicious and depth. Like Chad pointed out, a lot of the players can at least be. If nothing else, depth pieces. So that's sort of what you want to think about as you're as you're looking at the last three weeks of the season, like what you want to do. Just to just to put a little caveat on Astudio, uh, he is getting run. He has eight plate appearances. He's gotten a, a total of eight plate appearances. Hey man, over, all those were in the last three days. I think o- over so. five games. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's not exactly doing a ton. He does have two singles and a double in those eight plate appearances. He also struck out, which would be about four x his normal <laughs> strikeout rate. But it's you know eight plate appearances. So yeah, I mean it's just it's nice because he's he's come back from the COVID list, right? So you yeah. have these guys. That's what you have to look for. Again, we're looking for next season. The studio's on the end of my roster. I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm doing well in our league, so I'm not sure he's going to get run on my lineup today. But I, I definitely like that piece for next year, just because, again, you're looking for things that can just fill gaps and give you a little depth. You're not, you're not building your team around these pieces right now unless it's some of the guys from the very first section, right? Yeah. And, and we already mentioned that, that Garver's on the IL. Um, Alex Avila is also on the IL. So, so Acidio has an opportunity to get some some meaningful playing time here over the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. So a few other guys just to talk through quickly. Um, we're talking catchers. Uh, Luis Camposano uh, finally got, got, got called up by the Padres immediately went on the IL um, still an exciting piece. And he, he's a, he has a good enough bat prospect as a catcher and obviously close enough. I don't think I expected him to be up this year, but what are you rostered for uh, that kind of player? That profile of player is really shocking to me. I agree. Because I, that's usually the thing that gets all the auto new hype and only 48% rostered. So Right. I mean he's he's a good enough bat as a catcher that they called him up to be a DH basically. Um and now we've seen this story with the Padres before with Mejia and it didn't work out, but I'm super intrigued by Camposano. Um, Tyler Stevenson, another pretty solid offensive catcher who just got called up recently. Uh, he came up earlier in the season for the Reds, hit that home run, went right back down. But now he's up and presumably up to get some real run. So we'll get a chance to learn more about him. He's only 19% rostered. Um, then a couple other guys, a couple Tigers, injured Tigers in the 40% range. Uh, Jacoby Jones is rostered in 47.2% of leagues. CJ Crone in 41.4%. Um, I haven't looked at projections on either of them, and so I'm, I'm basing this on what I've seen so far. I think I think they're both interesting pieces. I'm not sure how much I believe in Jones, but he had a really, really good start to the year, and he's shown some flashes before. And, and Jones is... Um, he was a toolsy prospect. He is He's like the perfect guy to bet on as a post-hype sleeper because toolsy guys who finally put it together can do an awful lot of damage once they do. And and that's, that's him, I think. Um, and Kron is not like, he's not a star, but as a guy who you can play as part of a first base and util platoon, he's really useful. He's a very good hitter. Um, he's got a 30 home run year behind him. He was having an excellent year this year. Uh, if you can grab him and stash him inexpensively, I think he's a, a great stash to, I don't know, maybe he's not your starting first baseman next year, but as a bench bat, um, He's super, super useful. Kron, by the way, is sandwiched right between uh, Telez and Nate Lowe on the on the steamer projections. He's first base sixteen, um, so definitely in the util mix according to those projections. Yeah. So, and the, and the thing I would say is a little bit different with him and, and those two. And I could be wrong about this. Is my guess is there's less variability. Right, there's a much lower range of outcomes for him. He's a more established guy, yeah, and so you're going to get that sort of decent util bat production out of him. Whereas the other two guys, you might get a starting first baseman and you might get a cut. Um, Crone, I think, is more in that. He, he's a little bit more stable. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, real quick, we didn't. We don't have a lot of pitchers that we're discussing on this episode, especially in this section. I, I, um, I think we sort of covered why last episode, though, right? Because pitching is hard to get, and almost all of it's snagged up, and the stuff now, it's red flagged, so just buyer beware on this next set of names. Yeah. I, I the, the only one that I really had marked down, um, Chad's got a handful, but is Austin Adams. It, it, it's really... Yeah, a lot of people just can't wait anymore on him. And that's the thing. He's been cut in a lot of places because he's just... Now, he's on the on the 45-60, so he's not eating a roster spot, but I think he's been cut in a lot of places where they just needed the cap space. Um, Steamer still sees him as the eighth best reliever. Now, that's absent any points for saves and holds, so that's just the sort of the the talent portion of of reliever uh, valuation. Um, I still believe in the arm... I think he's worth rostering for a couple bucks because I think he could potentially be a closer. Um, but obviously there's a lot of uncertainty. I, I thought he would have been off to the IL by now, especially after he was traded. Yeah. The trade seemed to indicate to me that he would end up being a part of their stretch run, you know, right. bullpen. And I don't know what's going on with him, but that. yeah. Yeah. It's a little concerning. I also, I think that his back end potential took a, big big hit with this trade because i think that while while the padres have been a little bit of a mess this year i think as you look towards next year which would you be doing here if he were still in seattle uh he'd be the closer next year right he would be lined up he would be the presumptive closer there'd be nothing to block him yeah. right in in san diego i think they have another year with yates um and so he should be back uh they definitely have more time with pomerantz he'll be around um, Pagan is still there and like, yeah, some of these guys have struggled, but they're also probably in line ahead of him, especially given the injury history. Um, he might be, and that's just sort of four names off the top of my head or three names off the top of my head that put him forth in the list. He could be further back than that. And so he may be a guy who, um, in a four by four league would be a great stash because who cares when he pitches? Uh, and in a points league, you may be looking at, an excellent skill set that gives you an impressive six points per inning, but doesn't get nearly enough holds or saves to actually matter. Um, I, I think that 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 talent will eventually win out, but I don't know if it'll be in April or August of next year. Yeah, I mean the fact that he's still rostered in seventy percent of leagues tells you a lot about. I mean, I think people are willing to be patient, right? And I guess the sixty the sixty IL helps a lot there, but. Yeah. So just, I don't it, think he was rostered for very much, so he wasn't costing a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's an inexpensive stash. I think because everyone sort of know, like he didn't have the role before the trade, so I don't think the price of a role is baked into him yet at all. So the other the other two relief pitchers who I think are worth talking about: um, Roberto Osuna, sixty three percent rostered, obviously has been a a star reliever in the past. Uh, he's injured this year, but there's still talk that he might be back at some point this year. Um, and so, you know, the big question with him is just, is he going to get back to his previous form? But if he's back for like, let's say the last week of the season in the playoffs, you'll get a chance to see that. So he's a, he's a good guy to stash from that perspective. Um, Nick Birdie is 52.8% rostered. Man, that is an electric arm. Uh, and it is super unfortunate that he just can't stay on the field. Um I've got him in one or two places. I think it is unlikely he is still on my roster on February 1st next year. Um, but I'm waiting to see what's going on. And, and he's a guy who, if you find out in December or January, he's throwing from the mound. Man, if you've got him in a, at a low enough price, he's probably worth the gamble. But I just don't know what the timeline is on him. And I don't think it's totally clear yet unless I miss something, which I might have. No, I believe it is quite unclear, which is the worst kind of situation with this kind of arm rate. Right. And then two, really quickly, two two starting pitchers. TJ Anton, who we talked about last week. We don't need to go into a bunch more with him, but young guy, ton of talent. He's a guy who might be able to sneak out as a non-contender because his role isn't clear enough for contenders to want to bid on him. A contender who needs a relief pitcher can't count on him out of the bullpen, and a, a contender who needs a starter can't count on him getting starts. And so as a, as a non-contender, you don't care and you can go get him. Um, I don't know that it's totally clear that he's going to have a spot in the rotation next year either. Uh, but Bauer might be gone. We'll have to see. So um, I, I'm I'm definitely taking I, I'm definitely interested in him. 
And then Merrill Kelly, as of yesterday, I was super excited about him. And now they've announced that he's going to have thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. And I'm just, I think you got to be out on him, which is, which is unfortunate because he's having such a good year. Um, I want to take a look and just see sort of like, what's the more recent history with TOS? There's been a lot of bad history dating back a few years. I don't know if it's gotten any better. I don't think it has, but... I'm going to take a look. For now, Kelly is on the 60-day or the 45-day. And so where I have him, I haven't cut him yet. Um, I probably won't until the off-season unless I really need the cash. But yeah, super uh, unfortunate. We were, we were talking about him before the episode. I know, Chad, you put him on the list uh, before this news came out. And I, I think I honestly can't endorse it. Uh, it's the same thing as Strasburg at the very top of the show we were talking about. It's an injury and a surgery that... Um, let it be someone else's risk, you know. Um, it's going to be a player that is going to be difficult to trade in the offseason. So you're basically committing to him if you stash him now, committing to having you make the keep call. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you do make a good point that the, the medicine and the and the science has come further. Uh, I mean, I saw Markel Fultz making three-pointers. So, you know, there's, there's a hope for anybody to do anything now, I guess. But it's... It's a really scary surgery, and uh, you know, I would I would shy away. That's my pushback on. Yeah, and we mentioned Chris Archer in the in the top segment. Um, he also had thoracic outlet yep. syndrome surgery, um, and I'd kind of forgotten about that when we were talking about him. Yeah, before. that's true because that happened. That already <clears throat> happened, right? Like, that yeah, already. and that's. I mean, it it pretty much is the death knell for for starting pitchers and for any pitcher uh, in baseball. Be, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I know that was what felled. Uh, Matt Harvey there, and he he's come back, but he's not obviously. I mean, he's not, not Matt Harvey. Pitcher. Yeah, he's someone else. Yeah. So, all right, um, we're gonna wrap this episode up with just some quick prospect names um, to mention. I'll go first, and then I'll let Chad uh, list all the Cleveland players he wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> the first name, real quick, um, I think I've mentioned him before in prior uh, podcasts is Seth Beer for the Diamondbacks. He hasn't been called up yet. He's still in the you know minor leagues in air quotes um he has the best points per game projection of any non-colorado rocky uh minor league player per steamer um outfield 85 which isn't technically startable but like a depth outfield potentially um he's rostered in 34 percent of leagues i believe in that bat so i think he's he's a good add if you have the space uh cubs prospect brennan davis is tragically under rostered i would say at 20 percent um he might be one of the best prospects under 25 percent rostered that's available especially on the hitting side um nick lodolo a re somewhat recent draftee uh for the reds is at 33.8 percent rostered um i think he's worth an add if you want to take a risk on a pitching prospect um and then the one thing the other thing i wanted to segue into real quick is I feel like this year has been somewhat unique in that the recent draftees aren't rostered in as many places as I feel like they typically are. Like in prior years, you've had a buildup of three months before the draft. More teams are sort of rebuilding and they've got a long time. They've got months to make these these pickups. And and I feel like by by this point in a normal season – the top 15 or 20 draft picks are owned in 50%, you know, are rostered in more than 50% of leagues. Top five are totally gone in, in this time. So this is a very unique opportunity, I would say. Yeah. And so the, so the three that I'm going to mention that are still rostered in under 75% of leagues, Austin Martin is rostered in only 67.6. Um, Asa Lacey is in 40 rostered in 41% of leagues and Max Meyer in, tw- in just under 26% of leagues. And and those are all college guys. They're not high schoolers that are far away. Um, It's strange. I I think this is an opportunity. We talked about it a little bit in the preseason episodes where we said that these far off prospects, but this is sort of not the same thing, but maybe somewhat similar in that the teams that are, are focused on this year, because we're not seeing these guys pitch in short season ball um, or, or, or play in short season ball for the hitters. Maybe they're just out of sight, out of mind, but I wouldn't forget about these recent draftees because that's you get a top ten draft pick. There, there's a pedigree there that means something um, in in major league baseball and in Audenew. Play a little just devil's advocate here and say I'm not sure. I think that that pedigree 
is that valuable? And I actually think these numbers to me are far more reasonable than what we typically see. I think part of what happens in the past, there's all this hype and all this excitement. And then this guy makes his debut and in his first game against a 15-year-old pitcher in short season rookie league D-ball, he hits a home run and everyone's like, oh, he hit a home run in his major in his professional debut. I'm going to go get him. And so then everyone like signs these guys to $15 auto new contracts and then they all get cut in the offseason. They get cut yeah, really I- next year. And like, I just think that the hype on these guys is usually through the roof and it's and it's inaccurate hype. And I, I actually think like looking at this like, okay, Martin's it's almost 70%. That makes sense to me. Like if I look at Martin at 67% and one of the, the first guy I'm going to mention, Nolan Jones at at 73%. And like, it's nonsense that Martin is that close to Jones. He's not nearly the prospect Jones is, at least not yet. He might become as good a prospect. But one of those guys has hit and performed in the high minors and probably should have been called up already. And the other guy has never seen a professional baseball player in his life. Right. I mean, the difference, I think, I think the Chad, you're totally on point about the general behavior. I think uh, the market is the market is, and there's always going to be that hype. Uh, and I think that hype, you know, it, it's fun or whatever. Seeing Torkelson go for 11 bucks or whatever in every league this year was, I, I know, uh, me, Niv, I will never get the number one overall pick, right? I'm just never going to pay that money. But the flip of that is if they are available, you're going to get them at a depressed price and they become an immediate asset for you, an immediate trade chip because they have that pedigree that is, uh, you know, just last year, this guy was the number two overall pick. This this guy was the number five overall pick. Like that that still carries, I don't think that, I'll be interested to see if if what happens uh, because of the way 2020 was that people rethink how they handle recent draft picks or if what happens instead is that um, that hype remains. And if you see a guy that was a top five draft pick last year that literally you can only get in auto new right now uh, and some prospect junkie wants to scratch that itch. Uh, man, that was way too much of a drug analogy. But if somebody really wants to, you know, really likes prospects and really wants to play that game, uh, you might find them to be an asset at like a $3 price if you can snag them now, right? I think that's not a good just, point. I, like, really I, good. I agree with you that if they end up being an $8 player when you start the auction, you know, great, you didn't have to deal with that. But but then you've eaten up someone else's cap and you can go snag one of these guys that's actually playing baseball, uh, professional baseball. Um, but otherwise, like these guys can be like, I, I totally agree with Justin that it's shocking, uh, just against trend that uh, these guys are still available at over 50% of leagues. And that to me makes them, if we consider 2020 a blip and people go back to the regular strategies next year, uh, I think these guys can be really interesting trade chips, especially at a depressed, at a quote unquote depressed price. Now, your other point He's probably worth a whole other episode talking about prospects and auto new. And maybe we should talk about that in the off season or something. But I think right now, if you're a rebuilding team, there's two ways to rebuild. You can add players that can give you depth. And, and as Justin and Chad have pointed out multiple times, you can add players that you can trade in October and November and December. And um, the three people that uh, these draftees like Austin Martin, Lacey and Meyer, these are guys that you can absolutely put as part of a package to get a keepable uh, superstar. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing for me is that they were, again, all top five draft picks, their average salary right now is like two and a half to three, between two and a half, three and a half Super dollars. Super depressed compared to the average auto new year. And I, I didn't say. even mention Heston Kierstad, who is rostered in only 15% of leagues, and he was the number two pick at an average salary of under $2. So. I mean, he's really even more available and cheaper than than the picks behind him. Um, so it's just it's interesting. Obviously, Torkelson had a ton of hype. He's rostered everywhere and for quite a bit of money. Um, but if you're speculating, and, and in general, I want to I want to roster players that have scarce talent, and you're not going to do better than they may not all hit. I'm not saying these guys are are no doubt definitely going to be valuable players in the future, but I'm, I'm going to take any top five draft pick and take a chance on them for two or $3. Yeah. I think the thing is, I just look at other prospects who are out there and uh, here, I mean, some of the names, like the, the names that I listed, I'll go through them pretty quickly. I already talked about Nolan Jones. He really should be rostered basically everywhere, especially in formats like auto new Ron base is so highly valued because his approach is so good. Um, 
Trevor Larnock is similar to Jones in terms of that approach and the on-base value, although I'm not really sure what's going on with the, the Twins outfield um, and, and how far back in that list Jones, uh, Larnock might be. Jones, I mean, Jones is one of the six best hitters in the Indians organization. And and I'm including, like, he's behind Jose Ramirez. He's behind Francisco Lindor. He's behind Fran Mil Reyes. And I'm not sure who else he's actually behind. And they just, he should be up now getting a shot, um, unless he's been terrible in the alternate site, maybe. Um, Larnock, I'm less clear on, because um, that outfield is much deeper. But those guys are both very good. O'Neill Cruz is a guy who just uh, has a ton of I think there's gonna be a lot of variability there. Like he's, he could he could be a huge boom or a huge bust, but I think he's worth rostering in more than the 68 percent of leagues he's rostered in. The other two bats I want to talk about: Jordan Groshans and George Valera. Um, we talked early on about some of these guys who are lower on the top hundred lists, but based on what they do on their alternate sites and the lack of scouting and the guys graduating, could suddenly become top 15 prospects without anybody really knowing that it's coming or seeing it coming. And I think those are two guys. Groshans is rostered in 28% of leagues, Valera in 15.6%. I think both of them could be elite prospects. Uh, And if I'm going to gamble on somebody popping up near the top of the list, I'd rather gamble on them than some of the draftees. Not all the draftees, but some of the draftees. Um, I think they're more interesting. Valera in particular, and obviously there's some some bias here as as an Indians fan. I've seen a lot more of clips and news about him. He has been crushing the ball at the Indians' alternate site. They've been putting out clips of him from the the team Twitter. Um, He took Plesak deep when Plesak was there on a... And like... It's one of these clips where, you know, sometimes a guy misses his spot and gets drilled. Uh, Plesak, as he does, put the ball directly on the catcher's glove, and Valera just destroyed it. Um, I think he's much closer than people realize because he was only an A-ball last year. I think he could be up next year. Um, And not at the start of the year, but at some point late in the season. Um, And I think he could be a really highly rated prospect. Uh, by by the time we get to lists in in you know January February when they start to come out, and then uh, just three prospect pitchers worth sort of speculating on: um, Grayson Rodriguez, Shane Baz, Josiah Gray. I, I don't love any of the prospect pitchers who are sort of out there and available right now. Um, most of the good ones have either been called up or are hurt or are already rostered everywhere. Um, but these are three guys who I think are interesting and are worth grabbing now to see where they show up as as scouts start to talk about what they've seen, um, you know, in the off season. Yeah, I think you know, I think one of the things, just sort of continuing uh, from what we talked about with Justin's uh, draft picks, there are going to be more prospects available this year uh, down the stretch, and there are going to be fewer teams in the bidding for those prospects. Than there have been in recent memory, and um, I think if you're a rebuilding squad, uh, I would take advantage of that. I think uh, you can take advantage of it from a perspective of uh, trade ships for the future or trade ships for this off season, and you can also take advantage of it from the perspective of what Chad just mentioned for his guys. Like some of these guys might actually be uh, major league baseball players next year, um, but but there, I've, I'm actually like. It's really interesting how I, this is the first year in a while I haven't been rebuilding. And this is like a pretty fun year to be rebuilding, I think. Like, I think there's a lot more avenues available to rebuilding squads than there were um, in a full 162. We had more teams by than ever. Um, I know Justin and Chad, I mentioned to you guys, we had three times the number of trade deadline deals this year than we've ever had. Uh, than we had year over year, I should say. Um, ever is not a super useful metric, but year over year with only a few more leagues. So um, we're, we're, we're talking about like a lot more teams that are trying to compete this year. And if you're rebuilding, if you're one of the squads that's like looking to figure out how to approach 2021, I think you have more avenues available this year than ever. Yeah. And I mean, obviously with the trade deadline pass, those that that half of the avenues that you have to improve your your future outlook or right, his but, past, but there's still, as we've talked about, all these names that we've mentioned in tonight's episode, there are still interesting names out there um, available in many leagues. Um, so many players available, and also like so many superstars and stars and productive players that have been on short leashes on competing teams that can't afford. And I will, I, and I will say one one sort of quick note before as we wrap things up here. To me, 
one of the biggest benefits that you can have and one of the biggest advantages you can have as a, as an auto new manager is just engagement. Just watch your league, see who's cut, stay on top of the claims and, and, and who's up for auction at any given moment in your league. Um, even if you're out of it, because you have paths. I mean, how many years have we seen a September uh, call up or a September breakout happen? And if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't have been able to, to, to grab that player. Stay engaged. Even if you're not in it this year, you can find future value and future surplus even this late in the season. Um, it's not always going to pan out, but as a rebuilding team, you have the luxury of taking those risks because you don't care um, that you're you're not filling out your games caps. You know you should still set your lineup obviously and stay engaged and and, and play as often as you can in, in terms of your lineup and, and what in the innings and everything. But um, you have the luxury of taking more risks because you don't have the same roster pressures that a contender does while while he's chasing you know chasing somebody in first place or trying to fight off somebody coming up from behind him. So. Um, Anyway, that's my rant. <laughs> but I think engagement is a big issue. So yeah, I, I, I think, think it's a good point too. I mean, like I just think there's a, there's so much opportunity this year. If you're, I, I I understand why people check out at the end of seasons, but I think the season, the period of time in which it's really the end of your season is way shorter, and the opportunities are way higher. So I think there's just, I mean, check out at your own at your own detriment. I think. Right. Agreed. Okay. I'm just going to throw out one name real, real fast for any of the <laughs> listeners who are looking at because because it just happened in the last couple hours. The Indians called up Kyle Nelson, who's a reliever. You're looking for a relief pitcher. He struck out 69 over 47 innings last year. He had a low two ERA across three levels. Um, he is he's a guy who until last year was the top pitching prospect in the Indians organization above Karinchak. He is not going to be as good as Karinchak's been, but he's a really good pitcher, and he is, I imagine, freely available everywhere. I, I'm not even going to check it, and I would say that yes, he's probably. Let's start the auction. Yeah, you you guys can go ahead. I <laughs> I'm not as all in on the Cleveland players that aren't named James Grinchak. So. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, uh, we will wrap things up there. As always, thank you very much for listening, for sticking with us as we try to record a 45 minute podcast, and it always ends up being an hour and five minutes, Look, or an hour and ten minutes. We're doing our best over here. <laughs> No lightning strikes in this episode, so sorry about that. A little, a little <laughs> less exciting, but it's better for for Niv's health and uh, safety. So, all right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.